Hey, Bradley, how's it going, man? Good. I'm I'm back in beardy. Oh yeah, I like it. I mean, very like we are like in official fall weather. Uh, and good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Down in Front Podcast Last Call, where we give you some of our thoughts, a bunch of different extra things that we usually don't have the time to kind of record, but we do want to give you kind of an unedited, unfiltered, unspoiled, unsalted uh, versions of our podcast. Uh, I will be hanging out with you this evening. My name is Warren, and I have the lovely Brylin, or as you know, the mouth of the South. What's going on, man? Hello, hello. It's good to be here this evening. You know, the one thing I was kind of sad for, complete side note right as we get into this, is uh, Paul Feinburn, Feinbaum, you know that dude? You remember that dude from like the SEC from ESPN? I fucking hate his guts. I do not know who that okay. is. He Sorry. is like the ESPN lapdog. It's okay if you don't know. I, just I know can't. Stephen A. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, Stephen A is dope, but like this dude is like the SEC like lapdog. All he, he eats, shits, and breathes SEC. He talks so much shit about all other conferences and has always talked shit about our conference. You, Roll time. Well, no. You're, you're not an Alabama <laughs> no. fan. Shut up. No, some of my cousins are, though. Yeah. But he talks a lot. He, he every time that uh, every time that UCF wins, he's like, "They're going to lose. It's not for real. They're not going to be a thing." It's like, "Fuck yeah. you, bro!" Every time. But anyways, going full circle, his nickname is Mouth of the South, and I hate oh, it. No doubt. Yeah. So uh, I, you know, I'll bring it up to the group, and uh, we'll talk about maybe changing your nickname. I hope not. Though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The only Mouth of the South I knew when growing up was Jimmy Hart from uh, pro wrestling because. Not only was he in the WWF, but he also he was managing wrestling superstars in the Memphis area, and Memphis was like a hotbed for up and see up and comer wrestlers before they went to WWF. So we got nice. to see like Ric Flair became before he became Ric Flair. We got to see Hulk Hogan before he became Hulk Hogan, uh, Stone Cold before he became Stone Cold. Like all those people came through Memphis before they got to the national. Like big scene, they're just walking in Memphis, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Bad right. pun, bad pun. <laughs> Damn, you know, how, <laughs> you know how reviled that song is in Memphis. I can only imagine, bro. I'm gonna play uh, yeah. so many ridiculous New York songs this weekend. It's gonna be great. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Memphis, uh, it was a heartbreaker last night. Oh, Saturday. bro. Uh, Amazing, amazing game. So we were going, and out. I like this rivalry. It's it's kind of like every single time now. It's like Memphis will get them. Memphis will get them, and like you see Memphis charging, put putting them on their backs, and all of a sudden in the fourth quarter, ugh, UCF just comes back. I mean, last year's finisher for the um, championship was. Arguably, I think that was amazing. Better. I think it was better because this game started off pretty lopsided and was not very good, at least for us. Like it was good for you, but it's lopsided, right? Last year, I felt like it was even. It was neck and neck. Went to overtime, and it went to the like the very last play of the game, scoring and like ending. And I was like, oh my gosh! Uh, but I did enjoy this year. Uh, UCF Memphis. I'm sure. I am sure they're going to play again in the championship, unless Cincinnati makes some noise. But we'll see. I hope so. Uh, Memphis is not as strong this year as they were last year. They've already lost a couple of games, so it would be tough for them to get into that conference championship. Not really. I mean, like, it's the American. I think they'll be fine with it. Like, as long as they win out, which they easily can with their schedule. Yeah. Um, I don't think you guys play Cincinnati, but that's the only other team besides USF. And USF is the shittiest, uh, like, undefeated team 
in, yeah. in like in the nation. So I think you'll be good. But Bradley, what we uh what we chatting about today? Uh so yeah, I wanted to just bring up the uh whole idea of like movies that take space seriously and do you find them inspirational? What are your favorites? But also because First Man came out, we both saw it. And how do you feel it holds up compared to some of these greats like 2001 or uh, even more recent movies like The Martian or Interstellar? How do you feel that it's comparable to those to those other movies that take space seriously? You know, I, I like when the movies themselves kind of focus on something else and not only on the science but the science that is there it is damn accurate at least to me who doesn't really know too much about space and i think the few movies that come to my mind right now are interstellar gravity the martian and first man are going to be pretty like four of the more recent four of the better more recent space movies let me correct myself there um that has come out and, you know, I think the the first man is going to take a step out just because it is a bit about a biography of, you know, Neil Armstrong's life mm-hmm. and everybody in, in NASA, too. Like, it it really painted a picture of what was happening in that day and age. And, again, if you haven't seen first – if you haven't seen any of the movies I just watched and I just actually talked about, you may want to not continue to listen to this because we will be spoiling. <laughs> so we will give you a yeah. disclaimer right now. We do we do things a little bit differently here in Last Call. But uh, I like that First Man was a biography and it was based on a book. And it really focused a lot on Neil Armstrong's life. His psycho, like his psychological life, his emotional state, his mental state, focus a lot on his family and his friends and how he was just dealing with stuff. I mean, the movie starts off and basically opens up with his daughter dying from a freaking brain tumor. Like, yeah, it's oh, freaking oof. just start off sad as hell. Damn yeah, Giselle. God yeah. Damn. I was like, oh, got, oh, the only way, only place you can go is up from that. So, which is so man, okay. That joke in like you're saying it right there has. I mean, it, it's it's not a joke though. It's no, no, the no, truth like, of the movie. Yeah, but it's so it has so much weight. Like the only way is to go yeah. up. And they're talking about a movie going in space. I mean, it's great. Um, so definitely not a joke by any means, but I think yeah. that it definitely speaks um, lengths a lot. But, you know, looking at all the other movies, I think, you know, Interstellar definitely focused on like space and science. And I don't think they had a story behind it. And I love Interstellar. And there definitely was a lot of story to it. And they had a lot of science into it. You know, what's the science? Yeah, you're not entirely sure, you know, uh, Jonathan and Christopher Nolan's story, you know, and it kind of goes off the rails in the fourth act, but I still loved it. I I enjoyed the fourth act a lot, but a lot of people hated that part. So I see that. And then if you see movies like um, Gravity, um, it it really kind of bases on just like story and sort of survival. And so I like when the movies kind of don't solely focus on just the actual science. But when they do and they make it comedic, you know, like The Martian, for example, I think is also like very interesting because that was based on a guy that we are learning in the moment of and he has to basically survive. And if you look at The Martian compared to Gravity, one of them is stuck on a planet trying to survive. One of them's other literally stuck floating in space trying to survive. 
Um, and so I like that, you know, each one of these movies are a little bit different. I enjoyed all the movies that I just named and just mentioned, but I do like space and I do like it. I like the fact that it's not like a PSA too, because I definitely felt like interstellar and Martian and gravity. The only reason they went up there sort of thing was, uh, you know, talking about like a bit of a space race of why we need it to. Whereas, this movie kind of talked about his life. It was sprinkling in a bit of the space race, but it was really more focused on his life and less on why we need to go up there, but still painting a picture of what was happening back in the 60s. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do... I I mean, first of all, I think First Man's an excellent movie. Um, there are some beefs to have with its storytelling, but I have to say it's it definitely does a great job balancing... Um, what they had to work with and just the, when you get to space, just trying to capture that infinite and that, I mean, for lack of a better term, beauty of silence and emptiness and openness and possibility that it does all of that exceptionally well. And I was kind of interested. I I mean, I was really interested because this was Damien Chazelle directing this and Mm -hmm. he's known for movies that are leaning towards musical interest or whole musical itself. Uh, And this was like his first like full on drama where it doesn't really have to rely on music, but he uses music to create the intensity of like, especially like when Neil Armstrong goes up in the Jiminy uh, capsule when they get into the uncontrollable spin the music is like freaking you out it's intense and everything but also at the same time just hearing all the creaks and noises of the capsule itself mm-hmm. and the openness of space it's like oh they're just in a rickety horrible like death trap and you're there right there with them and it's just like your heart is racing every single time um, but there's also a piece to what happens once you break past the atmosphere, you, uh, get on the moon that when you open that door, that's making all those sounds from the lunar module and you hear that huge air just get sucked out and then it's silence. I think the whole movie leads up to that one moment mm-hmm. where you just hear that silence. You see that clarity of the earth in the distance and you see, like, the stark cleanliness of the moon's surface. You're just like, wow. We are, we did this. And that's an amazing thing. That's one thing I like about First Man compared to something like The Martian or Gravity is that it's not imagining the possibility. It's not about creating fiction. It's like, let's retell what actually happened. Mm-hmm. And... We did this. We actually got to the moon. And I think it's something where we need to kind of strive to continue that forward progress because it's definitely worth the investment. I'm glad they spent some time on uh, the Apollo 3 incident where you lost three astronauts in the capsule during a test. They all burned alive. And it's like that was a harrowing like loss and tragic. A bunch of husbands and dads were killed. But – is it worth the price? And like when you see Neil Armstrong at the um, press conference for Apollo 11, the first thing he says, like, we like to thank everybody that made it possible for us to be here for this day. And I was like, yeah, yeah that's how you leave that off perfectly. He's like, 
he knows exactly what the cost of this mission was and why is it important as well. And not only the just the imagine the possibility importance of let's go to the unknown, but the human importance that we put in a lot of time, we put in a lot of effort, we've done a lot of sacrifices to get to this point. It's it's crazy because you know, you you a lot of the things that you talked about, right? Damien Chazelle for people who aren't quite keen in like he come off of he like he shows up on scene and has whiplash, which is just a phenomenal but like gut wrenching movie for sure. And then he comes back and has this crazy musical sort of lighthearted but still has some undertones yeah. of some real life. And Love comes letter back and, to 50s Hollywood. Yeah. And... Like smacks you in the face with La La Land and everyone's like, holy shit. But they still were musically inclined and I'm glad that you mentioned that. So now he comes with First Man and I think the sound in this movie and you mentioned it but god like I wish that this movie was A, available in Dolby because really upset. Really upsetting that it wasn't, yeah. but whatever. Maybe I saw it, it in IMAX. Yeah, me too. Like I think IMAX was all, like it definitely needs to be at least IMAX. But the sound design of the the metal uh, creaking and expanding, and we're in like usually we have a vantage point of the rocket going off, but we don't really know what people see when they're in the rocket, and that's where we are. You just see things like floating past this really small little. Like, you're almost helpless. And, you know, talking about the Apollo 3 mission, they were helpless from a fire. They couldn't do yeah. anything from the fire from during that plugs test. And so I love the shots. I love some of the scenery. I love uh, the sound that's on here. I love this score. We'll talk about the score hopefully later. But I love this score a lot. Um, and by the same guy, Justin Horowitz, that did his other two movies. Okay. I was but, wondering. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and, you know, for everybody listening, like, the only reason, the only reason I was going to watch this movie, because as you know so far, and if you've just tuned in for the first, I do not watch any trailers. I don't watch posters. I don't even want to know who's in the movie. I don't even want to know what the movie title is. I just want to go there completely blind to a movie. And if you have issues with that, big what? Want to fight about it? And so I was not going to go see First Man. All I knew was First Man, the Zoom was about Neil Armstrong, and I saw Ryan Gosling was in it. And I'm like, nah, I'm okay. I'll, I think I'll pass. That's cool. <laughs> and then you were like on one of our episodes, you're like, oh, well, it's from the same director from uh, uh, it's from Damien Chazelle. And I was like, oh, oh, oh shit. All right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go to that movie. And I loved it. Um, not even for the fact that I'm a big fan of his work, but for the fact that everything that he gave me such a new, different perspective on this movie that even for the fact that, you know, Claire Foy was in this movie, I hopefully we'll talk about her in a little bit, but, you know, Claire Foy plays, um, you know, Janet Armstrong, his wife and how much time that was invested in her character and her character was very much a side character, but still like things that we just don't see what happens with these astronauts families, right? Like what happens yeah. with people that's on the ground? Um, what happens when people are doing things for so many years, so many years, how much death, you know, how death are affecting these characters physically. There's a weight as a physical weight with this character. Um, I talked about the mental state of Ryan Gosling's character, Neil Armstrong, the fact that he kept seeing his daughter 
multiple yeah. times throughout the movie. And the movie opens up with his daughter dying. And yet he still see his daughter throughout the entire movie because that's still something that's with him. And I love the fact that when he's being interviewed for the NASA position, he was like, you know, um, I'm sorry to hear about your daughter. And he's like, was there a question? He's like, well, how's that? Do you think it's going to affect you? He's like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I can't yeah. say that there was not going to be an there's not going to be an effect. Um, I love the honesty that that was put into place. I really wanted a bit more of that, um, but I felt like you know it it definitely went a little bit more of the creative side and kind of melding a lot of different different things together and kind of skipping over some things. I think it was just highlighting for the sake of a movie, and I understand that it was a movie, right? Um, but it's like one of these things in which I wish that this movie was like longer and broken up into multiple movies because that would be great just to see like more of the detail of exactly what they were doing. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of the Buzz Aldrin or I thought the Buzz Aldrin was a little interesting of a character. Yeah, um, Corey Stoll. I mean, yeah. he he pl- usually plays creepy dudes and I know they're trying to have him be Buzz Aldrin, who's one of the most infamous Aldrin, astronauts yeah. just for being like a uh, shoot from the hip, devil may care type of person. Just like, um, like he'll give everybody shit uh, about it. Um, I think the his friendships with the astronauts. We really don't dive into it much. We just see him there just to give us the visual of um, that astronauts are close knit group mm-hmm. because it's kind of designed. They're testing how they work and everything. It's very designed around military style, and if you know anything about military living, um, like who you go to work with is kind of your neighbor in your neighborhood, and the wives do get together. They have meetings. They talk about, like, what they do with their spouses, what they have, like, different, like, cookouts for all the families at one time. Uh, It is a very close-knit group of people, Uh, and we get a bird's eye view of that in this, which I wish they did dive deeper into what makes one astronaut more fitting for commanding a mission versus the other. They talk a little bit about like some type of competition saying like Elliot is like the smartest and the best among us. And that's why Neil gets passed over. But Neil just seems to be like, Hey, whatever the mission requires. And I mean, he's very much a, he's not a yes man. He's a very, logic driven man and i think that's a really interesting take on his character i don't know how much the book actually gets into his uh his persona or his psyche about like how he was feeling about certain things it makes me more interested to read the book to see what it's all about uh but i would say like the one the big thing that bothered me in this movie was um was a uh, ryan gosling I didn't know if he was I, – I mean that's the thing is just my lack of knowledge is like did he portray Neil Armstrong the way Neil Armstrong was? Was he very distant, cold, detached person at this time because of the death of his daughter? It's an interesting thing to explore, but at the same time, I'm just like I I want to see Ryan Gosling do more with this character. And he's really not. He's very, like, stoic. And uh, even when he talks to his children, it's like he's giving a mission debriefing and stuff when he has to leave when um, 
when Janet forces him to say, hey, you got to sit down and talk with your kids because you got to tell them that you may not come back. And that's a definitely a huge point in the movie that is emotionally impactful because you have two young boys here talking to their dad that they don't know if he's going to be back in 10 days or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you have a wife that has been his support element, his rock for this family to stay together while he trains and helps with the engineering and building of his missions. And she's there to make sure the family doesn't fall apart. And um, just shout out to Claire Foy. I think she does the best in this movie. She's amazing. Um, I think she really starts off really cold. And I think that's on purpose because the first 10 minutes of this movie is all about their daughter dying. And we see some very horrific moments like Neil uh, helping Karen um, throw up in a bucket after chemotherapy and stuff. And, yeah, we've seen adults do that, like in movies, but we've never seen a child on chemo. And it is is tough. It is very tough. And I, I get it. I understand, like, how you can get emotionally distant after a child that young dies. And, like, will we continue with a family or anything? Or will this move help us or heal us um, to go from test piloting to astronaut? Is it going to be enough? And they do struggle. I mean, it's there's nothing like cheating or anything like that. It's more of just, like, are they emotionally there for each other? And I think Claire Foy is there to make that become a hard reality for the audience and she does an exceptional job i mean this movie um is more about the mannerisms of the characters rather than what they're saying but claire foy gets some amazing moments in this that talk she gives neil before he has to talk to the boys is awesome uh when she confronts the uh the head of mission command uh cap of I call it Capcom because that's what it's called. <laughs> Deke, yeah, Deke. Uh, uh, Deke, yeah. Mm-hmm. Coach, Coach uh, what's his name? <laughs> I haven't seen that show. Emma keeps bothering me about neither. that. I, I, need, I need to watch it, though. That's like on the next up. But, uh, Kyle Deke's, Chandler. Yeah, Deke's um, Yeah, Yeah, she, she's good to give him, a, give him a bunch of crap for turn off the radio for Gemini 8 when they went, went into trouble that she doesn't know what's going on. Um, but I also like that this movie ends on a very beautiful, quiet moment where you see Neil in quarantine. She's on the other side of the glass and they just like blow kisses and try to just connect with one another between a pane of glass, which usually you see for prisoners. But this is yes. actually like a hero coming home and yes. it's like, hey, um, it it's it can be something where, yeah, we've been disconnected for all this time, but now we can fully connect. Um I'm interested also to know, did he really take Karen's bracelet up to space? Was that a real thing? Or was it just for dramatic effect? Because that was a beautiful moment that he's just like, it's time to move on. Even though he went to the moon to do it, <laughs> it's it's like, wow, he actually was able to sneak something onto the ship that could have caused some trouble. Who knows? I mean, just because they're they're trying to make sure every single part of that ship is working the way it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you, we just see his glove just pull out that um, 
bracelet from Karen and he just lets it go off into space. It was just a beautiful moment. I love the fact that, um, I mean, you said so many good things there. <laughs> I'm not going to like recap all of it, but, <laughs> um, this final scene between Neil and Janet and the fact that there was no dialogue and the fact that you also have something, again, we've seen that scene many times in prison, right? But yeah. now we, you flip that scene on his head. And the last time that we saw both of those characters sort of um, talking to each other was argument and arguing. It was something negative and he's just basically wasting time so he doesn't have to have that inevitable talk with his sons that he may never see again in his family. And for, you know, them to have that moment that's complete silence. We talked about it a lot of you go up into space and once you get up there and they undo the hatch, it's completely silence. And I love how they shot it because we don't know. I mean, we don't know what it sounds like up there, but they can only imagine and assume, especially with everybody who told them of like, this is what it sounds like when you're up there, which is, you know, absolute peace. And he w was able to go up there to kind of have a moment to say, you know what? I am at peace and I need to be able to kind of let this go. The yeah. bracelet of Karen, the death of his daughter, to now when he comes back down to Earth, reality, right? You go back down to Earth, now you have a bit more focus, and now you have this moment of silence with the one person who's always been there for you, the one person that you love, and now you can have that moment of connection without ever saying anything that you know and they kind of understand each other. And the beauty and the simplicity of them shooting those two scenes back to back. And I'm really glad that they kind of skipped the coming back to Earth. I'm so glad they skipped that scene because I did not. Yeah. Want to, I did not want to watch that. I'm sure there's a lot of things I, <laughs> yeah. I messed up. Right, another now. ten minute rickety, exactly. intense, yeah, did, claustrophobic ride down yeah. to Earth. <laughs> I was so glad that he kind of skipped that because it was like we've seen that already in the movie. We've seen that yeah. a couple times. You know, we he opened up the movie like that, and uh, even for the fact that we talked about the science, going back to your first question. He was bouncing off the atmosphere when it was yeah. like first starting, and he, he couldn't figure out how to basically kind of get back in. I thought that was great. I thought that was crazy. Um, yeah, and that's also amazing that – I mean they could have said like, oh, he bounced off the atmosphere and lost control. What does it mean to bounce off the atmosphere? Show me that. And it's nuts. <laughs> it's terrifying. That's what it like, is. It's, it's absolutely terrifying. I never want like that to happen. His plane was bent the wrong way when he landed. <laughs> Crazy. And then they were like, yeah, that's it. he's not good enough. So um, I love the creativity. I love the the director's choice and the, the shots that was used in the, in the closing sequence. Mm -hmm. I loved that there was so much failure in the movie. Um, we see that a lot in... You know, I mean, we see that in all the four movies I just mentioned, but you see that the failure in dealing with loss back to back to back. And there was a line that, you know, Janet Armstrong, Claire Foy's character, says that they're driving back um, as, you know, Jason Clark's character is driving her back home. And she goes, you know, we've we were up here and we went through a lot of different funerals. We got we got really good at you know, go into those at that point. And then the last one that we went to and she kind of hesitated and kind of didn't quite finish. 
because we know the last funeral she they had went they they had went to before this was their daughter, and they were just leaving the funeral from um uh what was his name uh uh it was uh Elliot, Elliot. that was Elliot's funeral was it Elliot's funeral yeah. yeah and so we had seen that you know it starts off the funeral of Karen and then we see the funeral of Elliot and then we go and then fast forward and we see that you know um Ed and Gus and all of them die and it's just like yeah. oh my gosh like on top of how much failure things that were breaking things that weren't working and the absolute t- most scary like I think the one thing I can probably be easily afraid of that I think I would never do is you know spinning out of control in space with nothing to do right like that's what else can you do about that yeah and the and the at the speed that they're spinning it's it's just mind blowing like when they go into that uh that simulator that's supposed to actually help them actually train to handle like 10 G's of spin that's going on with them. And Neil fails for the first time. He just like wakes up and he goes, let's do it again. And and it's his persistence. I think that just pays off on who he is as a person that no matter what happens in his life, uh, it's something that, he felt like he needed to do and need to accomplish just because it's not, I wouldn't say it's solely because of Karen, but that is a big part of it in this movie is that he needs to just come to terms with Karen not being there um, physically, but also at the same time, it's like, I got to prove to the rest of the world that it's worth it. And I think that's a huge message to send. That's and that's the tough thing is because you know some things and you know I think looking at him as a hero it's kind of like um, that uh, documentary that we had talk I was thinking of of Mister Rogers and everybody loves Mister Rogers a lot mm-hmm. um, but his children sometimes didn't see him as everybody else did right yeah. and. They loved him, but they saw him differently. Like, Mr. Rogers was a clear father figure. Even me, after, you know, his, his show stopped, even the reruns of Mr. Rogers still served a purpose. Still served a purpose. I'm still watching that. I'm at season five <laughs> right now. By the way. I'm, still, I'm, oh, still, wow. I'm still on the binge. Still on black and white episodes. Yeah. No, no, no. We're, we're in color. We're in color right now. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, but, you know, for them to depict, like, Chazelle directing to the pick that Neil Armstrong was flogged. He had some issues yeah. mentally. He was kind of unstable. Um, there was, he was kind of absent father, neglectful at some times, you know, they showed certain moments that he can connect easily. And then other moments he walks in after crashing the, um, what was the little thing that after his crash? Oh yeah. The, uh, the lunar lander, yeah. um, uh, uh, simulator so after he crashes that he see he like storms in the house drinks some iced tea out of the freezer and like basically storms out you know changes his shirt and storms out to go back to work um you know there's they show that you know shit happens and clearly people were having a sacrifice for what's important at the actual moment and i'm glad that again talking about the moments of silence and finally things slowing down at the end i'm glad that they can 
give that moment in the movie to say, okay, now he can kind of, hopefully he goes back and sees that I can kind of breathe easy for a little bit and kind of focus on like being a father. Um, hopefully, yeah. right? But at least I'm glad that they kind of showed that he wasn't always a good dude. And that was the one thing I didn't quite agree with with the um, Buzz you know, Aldrin character is I like the fact that the movie kind of dealt with time and failure as like the big antagonist. Shit was in- inevitable. Like motivation to to succeed was the biggest failure. Like it was the biggest um, antagonist. But the only character that we kind of sort of grew to hate almost was him. And cause he was like either yeah. cold, he was harsh and I get it. And there's a lot of people that I'm sure at NASA are like that, but they kind of fo- zeroed in and focused on him more so of being arguably inside the rest of this movie, the second well-known person, like people would know if you're talking about, Oh, Hey, you know about Neil Armstrong and people's going to be saying, yeah, him and Buzz Aldrin sort of thing. You know, people are going to know yep. those two people. So it's weird that they painted Neil as a bit of a, not, um, yeah, I guess I would say absent, but still a benevolent, good guy, right? The hero. Yeah. And, Buzz Aldrin's lines and characters and every time he talked, like literally every time he was saying something was a bit negative and cold and it rubbed everybody else in the ensemble that was on the screen like the wrong way. And I was curious as why they focused on that um, and us not liking him or us or showing us how his demeanor and how he was as a person and less on what they were actually doing. That's what I was curious about. Yeah, and I think, like, if they were going to start those uh, moments with Buzz, I mean, we got to start to develop Buzz a bit more, and they really don't. Uh, and I think that's that's kind of – I understand the choice, but it's kind of disappointing. We don't get to see more of the team effort behind or, – or maybe the process of what does it take to build the Apollo mission or the Gemini missions – um, if you do want to see that, though, um, The Right Stuff is an amazing movie, and that's the movie you want to see if you want to get a, more an idea of like what the astronaut program was like. Um, yeah, this movie definitely solo, uh, pretty much focuses on Neil for 90% of the movie, and um, I think that might hurt it a little bit just because I feel that – I I mean I just still am not sold by uh, Ryan Gosling's performance in this. That he's cold and distance throughout the whole movie and up until the final moment. We do see moments of outrage and emotion. We see him at Karen's funeral where he goes into his office, locks the door, and just breaks out crying. Which definitely very human moment. Yeah, um, but even we like see that him, one, like even that part, right? It's. I think there's something to say about again we talked about the focus on mental health and mental aware like mental health awareness and the fact that he's such a sheltered person that he chooses not yeah. to share any he of that. He has to distance himself. Yeah, he lies to everybody and says, "Oh yeah, I'll go play. I'm going to go help your mom and lock myself in a room and just cry by myself." Whereas just cry at the funeral, man. Let 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 that out. Let it go. It's okay. Yeah. Or like he gets upset by the Time magazine's uh like cover, like first time we ever, I think it's one of the few times we see him get upset by something that the press does. Usually he's 
able to counteract any negativity from the press with just logic and reason, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but when he's on the phone with Life Magazine and talking about like this article about Gemini, talking about how it's an epic failure and stuff, he wants people to focus on what we take away from that epic failure and why it's progress. And I could see where that could piss them off a lot when they decide not to go that way. And that's kind of something you – if when you're in that position, you may have to battle the media – to say, like, look, uh, y'all are missing the point of this whole thing. Um, but it, it is definitely telling, like, kind of Neil, he can't really handle this stuff in a public fashion. He has to close himself away. That's why he slams the door. And then we see um, Janet tell the boys to go up to bed and mm-hmm. stuff. And she just waits for him to finish before confronting him on, on that. And it's... Uh, it's definitely a very interesting moment where we – it's like the only few moments we see outrage from Neil, which is really interesting. I think it's a good call out because I don't think that he should get an Oscar nominated at all for his performance. But I think everybody else could uh, – at least a lot of other actors and actresses, like mainly Claire Foy. Yeah. Um, I think she, she can get definitely get nominated for like supporting cast, right? And. I'm sure there's a bunch of other awards, but I don't think Neil being the center needed to be a focus, at least for me when I look at that. And as much as I love Ryan Gosling, we can go back and look, we can listen to a lot of other podcasts and I'll talk about that dude. But I like that he is like the poster person. He is the main character. But because he's so detached it allows me to then focus on all other things that A, are affecting him, like external sources, and B, things that are happening outside the actual world around him. And I and I really enjoyed that I can kind of zero in and focus on the fact that, you know, Jason Clark finally has a character that's not evil. Right. <laughs> right. And, yeah. and like, for sure, we talked about it on... Um, I don't think it was actually a podcast, but when we were going or to see, Pablo Schreiber, yes, not yes, evil. <laughs> exactly. I was like, "Oh, thank God! Thank you for not making them yeah. evil." Finally, I like I like that it was Jim Lovell. That's really cool. Like, kind of paying it forward for the future missions. I thought it was cool. I mean, I liked yeah. that. Although there was a lot of focus on Neil Armstrong being the main character with Ryan Gosling, everybody else has a chance to shine. And I don't think he'd done anything spectacular by any means. I thought he was good, okay, good. He was fine in his role. But I think what he was mm-hmm. doing for everybody else made – that's what made the movie a bit heightened to me. Um, and I, I was really excited about that. Um, that I was really I was really pumped. I'm, I'm glad they kind of did that. Maybe it was intentional. Maybe it wasn't. Uh, I'm glad they actually did it because you can put somebody like Neil real, Neil Gosling. You can put somebody like Ryan Gosling in <laughs> and everybody's going to think that, oh, he's going to be acting the shit out of this role. No, he doesn't do that. Um, yeah. He kind of like almost to the point where it, if you take him out of this movie, I think it would be also pretty interesting to see what it, what it looks like, who else could be casted in it. But um, I also wonder, you know, this movie is based on a book, not – 
you know, things the other way around of like his actual life. So I, I'm curious to see, you know, if one of us has a chance to read this book, how um, closely, just like The Martian, right? I haven't read The Martian yet, but I know that The Martian book is way better than the book, the movie. Um, but I wonder how that will be, uh, how they'll hold up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just wanted to say again, like, besides the music being amazing in this movie, the sound design, um, when they're getting on board to Gemini 8 and you see the other ship lifting off in the edge and you just see the walkway they're taking is shaking uncontrollably and it's just like, are they going to even make it into the capsule to get in here? Uh, every step and every moment is a is just like a threat of danger for these astronauts because it is just this highly experimental project that they're trying to do and when we see nowadays what we're capable of, of being able to shoot a rocket into space and have it come back or have the boosters actually land on their own nowadays mm-hmm. and so we can reuse them and have a f- quick turnover and everything, um, we've definitely come a long way and we definitely want to continue to push that progress, even if it's regardless if it's coming from NASA or the private sector. Uh, the more people that are invested into it, the better. Um but I think it's it, – this is definitely a love letter to NASA warts and all, just showing that these were a bunch of really smart people that were trying to do the best they can with what they had. And what they had were like toothpicks and a flashlight mm-hmm. and were able to accomplish amazing things with it. And so I definitely think this movie is worth seeing it just to see this love letter played out just because you get some amazing, beautiful moments. Like, uh, just like how an in interstellar, the first time you see like the black hole and everything and the sound goes away, the moments of silence speak just as much volumes as the moments of intensity and loudness in this movie. And it's really cool to see that one of these space movies is not fictional anymore, that it is, a true story that mm-hmm. it is something that happened regardless of what people on the internet will say. Uh, sorry folks, the moon landings did happen. <laughs> it's real. <laughs> I, I love the fact that they also, and, they didn't and talk like, about that. Yeah. And Damien Chazelle decides to shoot this. Like it was from the sixties. He, he grains the camera. He melds, real footage from that time with cinematic footage and it's almost seamless and it's crazy how good it is. And like, I don't know if you caught it or not, but like that surface of the moon, it was kind of like images from NASA put together and then just smooth out where it looks like he's on a planet. It was just like the actual images of the moon put together, which was amazing. I did not know that. I do love it. I do. I loved the movie opened, and then as technology got better with NASA, the technology as we were shooting it got better. And I loved that. Right. But I absolutely loved when it was just grainy footage with them hanging out. Like, I think they were, like, at the pool or at, like, some sort of, like, picnic. And it was, like, super grainy, but it was still Ryan Gosling and Claire Foy there. And I'm like, oh, I think that adds such a layer that you didn't need, but I'm glad he did it. Yeah. There's a uh, original song in this movie. I'm curious to get your take and um, 
Whitey on the Moon song. How'd you feel about that? You remember? That's not an original song. That's a song from the 60s. Is Is it? it? I I thought Leon Bridges wrote that. Because I've heard that song before. Really? Ooh, I'm curious now. Hold up. Whitey. On. (laughs) I like how... uh, Oh, no. (laughs) Okay, first of all, I like how I typed in Whitey and Boulder came up, and I was like, ooh, no, that's not what I'm talking about. (laughs) Can we know your location? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's Jill Scott study. Heron. So interesting. So I guess Leon Bridges performed it. Yeah. But Gil Scott Heron did it. I don't know who Gil Scott Heron is. Uh, he did The Revolution Will Not Be Televised. I think. Ooh. Man, I need to. Uh... Yeah, that's him. Yeah, I... that's what I thought. Really enjoyed that section of it mm-hmm. because I think from that song alone and that bit of a montage that talks about this is what you're doing, this is what you're putting a lot of money into. Is it all worth it? Is it all worth it? And there was a question that was like, is it all worth it? Is all this death yeah. worth it? You know? Yeah, and we see some. I mean, that's. I think those are eternal criticisms that we got to confront, and it's never an easy choice that. I mean, yeah, NASA was fully government-funded. It was taxpayer money going into it. But we see similar criticisms of uh, SpaceX. Why are they spending all this money to do all this space testing and everything? Why don't they try to build affordable housing or something exceptional? And something that will help all people. Um, and it's and it it is definitely... For that time, it's the 60s, it's the height of the civil rights movement. It's definitely necessary to address that. Um, how much time we spend on it and how much importance we give to it, that's the that's a tough thing to decide. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a great song. It definitely has some poignant moments to it. It, it comes down to, yeah, I'll, I'll, I mean, yeah, you make some really good points, but Regardless if it's Whitey or anybody else going to the moon, we got to go to the moon. I'm sorry. Um, it is definitely worth it to just show how far humanity can go and what humanity is capable of. Hmm. Crazy. All right. Lasting thoughts, my friend. Let's close it up. What do you think? Let's grade it. Let's do our um, old school grades. Uh, okay, and, and let's do some old school grades. We'll kick it, kick it at old school. Uh, do some grades and say, you know, what's one movie that you would tell people to go watch before checking out Damien Chazelle's uh, First Man, starring Ryan Gosling and Claire Foy? Yeah, so I would say one movie to go definitely see before this movie is The Right Stuff, um, because it it kind of like just dovetails into the story of Neil Armstrong. Uh, right stuff is a fantastic ensemble cast that tells that tells the tale of the birth of the astronaut program in NASA and getting John Glenn into orbit, uh, and this continues that path. I mean, there are great space uh, movies about real things that happen, and I think that is uh, definitely something we need to keep in mind while we go out there. And if there's ever something that feels like Hey, things are bad and terrible. Um, go out there and do your thing, and 
don't let the um, don't let self doubt get the better of you. Don't distance yourself. If you have to talk through something, talk about it. Um, and I mean, try take a risk. I mean, taking a risk can yeah, you can fail at it. That's definitely something that can happen. It's pretty highly likely too. Or that one time that everything works, it's probably be the biggest payoff ever in your life. So I think First Man is fantastic movie. Um, incredible drama. It's kind of like the anti-Star uh, is Born, where you start off with incredible like heartbreak, like your heart's just ripped out of you in the first ten minutes, but then you get so much hope by the end of this movie. It's fantastic. I would say the only only bad part to it is Ryan Gosling. I I, I want I just kind of wanted more out of that performance of Neil. Um, spoiler alert for Star is Born, by the way. <laughs> that movie's still in theater, so be careful, man. Yeah. Be careful. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm going to echo off a lot of stuff that you said here. I'm going to start with um, things that I didn't like about the movie. Uh, Buzz Aldrin's character. Um, I think his depiction was a bit too cold um, and didn't quite care about him too, too much. I kind of wanted them to... I needed to see more of how death and how these failures are affecting Neil uh, instead of him kind of brushing it off because we see that a lot in today's society of people not really letting it sink in that these things are affecting me. I'm sad, right? I don't really yep. see that. We're not really seeing that. So I, I kind of want some more. I know that he can do it as Chazelle and Gosling. And so I wanted a bunch uh, – I wanted a bit more on that end. But uh, also uh, I would also say like the length of the movie is – it definitely feels longer than at least looking at like the timeline. So this movie's two hours and 21 minutes Yeah. to talk about a movie about space when not much happens when you get up there as in like, it's a lot of, it's a lot of silent moments. I love it being slowed down. I'm just curious. I think the link of the movie may hurt it. So people may not like yeah. it about that. I don't mind it. I'm just in general. I think people may not like it. Uh, I loved everything about this movie. Um, and I'd say, you know, one movie and taking an opposite approach. If you haven't seen a movie from Damien Chazelle, I wouldn't start with La La Land. And I would take a look at Whiplash. And especially yeah. from a lot of the things that Brylon was talking about of, he really shows these characters that nothing's going to stop me. I'm going to give everything I can to try to kind of get to as close as I can for my goal. And I'm going to do it as as hard if it kills me as much as possible. We see that a lot in his first man. You know, we see that a lot in La La Land. And we see that a lot. What well, used to be a lot more in Whiplash. And if you haven't seen that movie starring Miles Teller and J.K. Simmons, definitely go check that out. Just so that you can get a bit of a style of um, who Damien Chazelle is as a director. Also, just so that you can get a sense of um, his storytelling and his visuals and what he likes to do. So definitely go check that out. Um, also, another thing you can go check out is more of our work at downthefrontpodcast.com where we're going to be putting a bunch of our podcasts and reviews. Uh, definitely kind of thanks very much for kind of hanging out. Um, we're going to be doing more of these sort of side episodes, last calls. You'll see that we'll be hanging out, just kind of chatting. Uh, if you definitely want to be on the show, let us know. You can send us an email at the crew at downthefrontpodcast.com. Drop us a line um, and then we'll get you hopped out and get you signed up. Uh, again, uh, I am Warren. I'm going to be signing off and headed out for this evening. Brylin, last words? Uh, the eagle has landed. Nice. 
Good night, everybody. Good night. Yeah, I want Damien to do it.